mystery and horror, the air itself is filled with monsters. Children of the night, what music they make. Well, hello, all you monster fiends, and thank you for joining us for another deep dive factoid field episode exploring Hollywood's most famous monsters. I am your mistress of ceremonies, Sam, and I'm joined, as always, by Dan from Bleed and Marvelous. Say hello, Dan. Bonjour, Danielle. Danielle. Oh, ho, ho. she's mixing it up. <laughs> Don't expect me to say any more than that. That's that's that's, you know, that's totally fine. Year nine French. That's where it stops. <laughs> and that's where it ends. Yeah, that's where it ended. Oh, we are we are back for another episode, and we are doing something some things very differently to what we've done in the past. I feel anyway, but and I am really looking forward to it. But what I want to say, firstly, is I did notice last week I got quite angry. On the second part of the Rick Baker episode, <laughs> I see where it started and I see where it ended. And I'm very sorry for my rage last week. You brought Psycho up and something just went in us. I shouldn't have. It was all my fault. I should have just skipped over it. I should have known better. Well, there's no rage this week because this week we are going down the Nordic route of folk horror. We are. So, I got the disclaimer out of the way with and we can get on into this because I'm so excited. So, everything discussed in today's episode is our opinions and our opinions alone. If you'd like to discuss anything from today's episode, please come and join us on the Facebook page, Discord, or the comment section where we can have an open discussion. What we won't have, though, is anyone coming for us and telling us our opinions are wrong. We can all agree to disagree in fandom. So let's keep it fun, keep it kind, and keep the toxic behaviour out of nerdism. Thank you. Don't be a dick. Oh, look at her. Right in there. Didn't even have to prompt her. Nope. Oh, right. Today it's serious talk because I've got my glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I nearly had mine on. I had to, I thought, no, because my, my light might reflect and you're all right, yours doesn't. But It's because my camera is at such an angle. It doesn't quite, like, get it. Um, But I have, I, I have to wear glasses all the time. I just, I just don't and today I needed to because my head was absolutely pounding so hence the reason why they are on my face but today's episode is the 2017 British four horror based on the 2011 book by the same name by Adam Neville four friends take a hiking trip through a Swedish old growth forest where they encounter an ancient evil presence they should have went to Vegas as Monsters of North gives you the ritual. Oh, yes. Da, 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 da. And I actually have, to kick us all off, an interesting fact about the tagline, because the tagline is they should have gone, to, they should have went to Vegas. Yeah. They was actually changed in the promotion of this movie to they should have went to Ibiza. And the reason for that is because I have rolled my notes so small, I am going to have to bring my book a little <laughs> bit closer. The, I don't know, I remember this, it was to do with the um, Vegas massacre. Yeah, the uh, was it the MGM Grand Shooting out the yeah. window? Yeah, yeah, happened at the same time the promotion was happening, so they changed it to they should have gone to Ibiza, which I think is in really good taste. 
I also think it works better for a bunch of lads from England. Yes. I mean, Vegas is all well and good. It's not the hangover, though. And we are... It, it, just for a lad's week, it wouldn't work to go all the way to Vegas for a week and come no. back, you know. No. So I think Ibiza settles it. It makes it more British lads holiday for me. So Yeah. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. But if you're looking at it like a more um, international score... Yeah. Vegas is your choice, really. Um, the movie and the book. So we watched the movie, obviously. Um, the book, we are both literally halfway through it. Yeah. But I feel like I have enough of the characters' difference from book to movie. I also got a little synopsis of the book yeah. as well. So I know what technically happens and how vastly different it is from the movie. Um, so not to spoil it because I don't want to do that too much but it's not so much where you are in the book which I think is uh, where you are in the movie but I think what they did with the movie was incredibly clever from how Mm -hmm. they've adapted it from the book so the core premise is still there yeah so they've taken that um, but yeah I mean the biggest thing that I love about this the most, and everybody's going to groan when I say this, is a certain factor um, for a certain man who owns a company called uh, <laughs> The Imaginarium. Yes. Yeah. My favourite monkey, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's Andy Circus. It's one he of my facts. <laughs> <laughs> he bought the rights to this in 2011. That um, shocked me. It yeah. really shocked me his name was actually in this at all. Yeah. He's classed as an executive producer. I don't know how much he had to do with it. Executive producers don't really have anything to do with anything. No. Just a name on the on the list. But because he owns the Imaginarium, which was the company that made the movie, mm-hmm. um, well, he's he's I don't know if he's a partner or if he, he outright owns it himself, but um he got a bill in, he got a, a name because I caught it that probably on about the third or fourth watch, because I've watched this movie a lot. I love this film. And everything about it is just so well done. Yeah. Like how cerebral it is for the first, I want to say maybe hour, hour and 10 before you really get to the thick of it. Like how much you're having to read between the lines, how much you, you don't realize you're yes. seeing as well. Like it is shown to you so many times, but you're not paying attention because you're no. too busy looking at the human interaction. And I know I said that last week or the week before, I don't always care about, when it comes to a monsters movie, I want to see the monster. And I don't care about the character driven. This wasn't the case with this movie. I actually really gave a shit mm-hmm. about these four lads. And I, being the age that I am now and knowing that I'm supposed to be old, I am older than they're supposed to be Yeah. there. And knowing that when I've grown up, they've been, they are like four of the lads that you do know growing up, regardless. They are your quintessential British lads. You've got, you know, that that are. You were the university pals, the university friends. It's kind of like, they've got, it's an obligated friendship. Yeah. It's not, it's not genuine. It's an obligated friendship. Yeah. So I, I totally get that aspect. I, I watched this on Tuesday, 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 yeah. And I've seen it before, and I remember loving it. But when you said let's do the ritual, I was like, oh Christ! Ugh, if you were to say let's do this tomorrow, I would struggle to like. 
So I went into this thinking I need to I need to look at everything. And you are totally one hundred percent right. I was looking more at the at the Luke character, which yeah. is Rafe Spall. I'll get his name right this way. Um, but I was looking more at Luke because obviously Luke is a massive part of this story. And but why is Luke a massive part? What what is Luke? What is Luke's feelings? Where is Luke going? Why is Luke Luke? And I am totally missing everything else until I start reading the facts and I'm like, oh, you saw you saw what now? And and this was where now? And uh, <laughs> yeah. that's not the movie I've just watched. Um but yeah, I'm and I but that's me. I like characters. I like to know these people. I need to give a shit about these I, people. I think that's the thing with a lot of movies for me. You tend to, it is an element of desensitization, like it is with horror for me. Like mm -hmm. you can see a thousand slasher kills, or then you watch the blob and you see someone suck down a drain hole and you're going, oh, at that. But then you see someone get their head chopped off and gored with a machete and you're like, eh. yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a similar thing with character acting. Mm -hmm. but that was the thing about when they did, they did an interview with all these guys and they all sat there and they said, we didn't know we were shooting a horror film until it got to the horror part. Mm -hmm. It never felt like there was this, uh, this big thing that we had to do, this climax to the movie, until we got right near shooting that part. And and they were all ever so honest about it, which I thought was great. Because it I seemed it, like they were very much themselves. Yeah, and it works. Because yeah. to be honest, the way that this looks to, is a... Say it's like a first-time watcher. The opening scene, the opening scene, which, oh, my God. Fuck me. Um, the opening scene makes you think the next part because you literally jump straight into the next bit. And that as soon as you're there, you're like, oh, well, this is a story of the need, you know, what had just happened. The need to build on that. The need to work on that. And it is to a certain degree. But yeah. that's not how it turns out. It takes a 180. And the 180 is such a natural 180. It's not like I was I was comparing it to Dreamcatcher. So a Dreamcatcher your four friend story and then flip it into the alien and you know that doesn't happen in and this. Donnie Wahlberg's in it and I, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, that doesn't that doesn't happen in this it's a natural progression and it's such a great story and, and it's the, atmospheric as well they they manage oh shit man the score in this but that's the thing as well there's no there's no soundtrack as in you've got like Dua Lipa doing a hit <laughs> song for it you yeah. know it is just like it is a score it is it not Celtic but you know there's the Nordic influence you you can hear like it's very primal there's very there's a lot of drums or strings or and it's all very in the background and you don't even know you're hearing it sometimes mm. but it's there and it's which is the premise to most of the movie to be fair you yeah. don't always know it's there but it's there you know so I think the thing, the, the biggest question for me is the beginning opening scene where they're having the lads banter in the pub mm -hmm. and they're all deciding, oh, where should we go? No, I don't want to go there. No one wants to go to Belgium. No, hi to Belgium, by the way. Um, <laughs> oh, yes, you know. hi to our Belgian <laughs> listeners. <laughs> but us. That's what they say in the film. This isn't us saying that. Um, <laughs> you know. And they, they turn around and they, they, they're they going, oh, I don't want to go to Amsterdam. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And uh, Rob says, the fifth member he says oh let's go to uh i want to go camping i want to go hiking i want to go and go through the 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 nordic swedish uh like border walk thing and they're all like oh no no thanks don't sound any good so they're still debating it when they walk out of the pub and luke and rob go in to get some alcohol because the way 
that it's not laid out that it is laid out in the book is that Rob's the only Luke's the only person that doesn't have responsibility. So in the book, the opening scene doesn't actually happen at all. Nothing happens like this in the book. No, no. The but, open, and, and I like that change. Yeah, I really like that because it 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 gives you Luke without someone having to be descriptive and tell you about it. So yeah. these other these other three or four guys have their shit together in what you would class as social shit together norms yeah yeah they've got jobs they've got wife they've got kids they've got money they've got responsibilities mm -hmm. luke doesn't no luke is luke and when he goes to go into this this um off license which in america is a liquor store um, <laughs> he takes in who's the fifth member who's rob Rob, that's it, Rob. Takes in Rob with them and then we're like, no, we can't, we're not drinking on a school night. Like, yeah, we've got responsibilities, man. <laughs> get kids up to school in the morning, you know. Exactly, go do the school run. That, not us, but <laughs> we don't have that kind of responsibility. <laughs> Which is good. Um, but yeah, he's, he, it's shown you that Rob is very different from the rest of them. Mm -hmm. But it also shows is Rob's fear. Yeah. Rob's a very big scary cat. And I think that plays a huge part in his journey into the Swedish. Oh, you mean Luke? Luke. Sorry, not Rob. Because yeah. <laughs> Rob, don't get there. No. <laughs> Luke. Sorry, Luke. Yes, yeah. Luke. It's, the, the fear in Luke plays a huge part of his character and his journey into the Swedish uh, forest. Yeah. Luke, it's that whole, it goes back to the the whole thing of fight or flight, doesn't it? You know, like, I think I would have thought had Rob been further down the aisle of the shop, he probably would have hid around there with Luke. Mm -hmm. Because why wouldn't he, you know? Um, but he got clocked and Luke didn't. And that was just the way fate dealt the hand. Yes, Luke could have jumped out and coshed him, but there was what, two of them. But what would Luke, it have done? What, what would what it have would, done? Exactly. Two lives, two lives would have been lost that night instead of one. And, and was it a pipe or machete? It was a pipe. Because I couldn't, for the love nor money, right? The noise it made when they swang it, it made like a knife noise. But <laughs> everything I've I've seen says it was a pipe. Pipe. They said that they, they smashed his head in in his skull in half. But to me, what was in his hand was a pipe. Now, that scene really upsets us because I feel like if I was in that in Luke's position, I I don't know if I wouldn't have done anything different. I don't see anything wrong with what he did. Yes, he could have done those things, but you don't know until you're in a situation exactly what the hell you would do. You you can stand there and throw fucking bottles at him and bottles at him and bottles at him. What, what's that going to achieve? They're eventually going to power through it. And come yeah. for you, or um, you know, it's still not going to change the fact that he's already been coshed once and he's on the floor. Yeah. You know, if he'd have even gone out there before, then what 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 would have it achieved? I I don't understand why they hold him solely. Well, especially Dom. Dom is a prick. Dom is Dom that is friend such a you dick. dread. You dread having Dom come out with you because you always know after two pints he's going to be moany. He's going to be that 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 lolly friend that you that lolls about and's like he's either maudlin as hell or he gets so drunk so quick he ruins everyone's weekend. Yeah, <laughs> you know he's that Which guy. Is very evident for Hutch is the friend you want. 
Hutch is the friend you want. Hutch Hutch is the guy who knows everything about everything. Yeah, and he is the friend you want because he was very fucking honest with Luke. Yeah. Like, I said, I don't blame you, but he said later on something along the lines of, um, what was it? After they had their big argument and Hutch went up to him and Luke says, do do you agree with what they're saying? And he just went, I don't know, mate. Yeah. Because he doesn't. He's so conflicted. Yeah. I think that's the thing. I don't know what I would have done in that circumstance, but I still don't see anything wrong with Luke not coming out and helping Rob because Rob should have just given him his wedding ring. Yes, don't get me wrong. If I had to part with this, I'd be devastated. But if it was a matter of someone hitting me and killing me over a bit of metal, I'm sorry, you can have the bit of metal. It's my life or a ring. He gave him his wallet. He gave yeah. him his, you know, he gave him everything. And then he said, I want your ring. They took the ring anyway. Exactly. Just why but, wouldn't you have given it? And there was one thing as well. I, why didn't he just pull him towards him? They knew he was there as well. They mm-hmm. knew Luke was there because Rob kept looking at him. He did. He kept looking back at him like that. And I was like, they know he's like there. Obvious. <laughs> uh-huh. So they could have quite easily gone for him, but they were so close to the door. Mm. He was only a swing away. And yeah. the door was that way. But why wouldn't what 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 were the other three doing while this was all going on? They were all on their phones outside, weren't they? Let's be honest. Or talking to their texting their wives or whatever. It was those Yeah. Those... I just think what, what were you what were you doing? You sit there and sit think about Luke. Just because he was in the shop, you were outside of it. What were you doing? Dicks. <laughs> I think that, you know, and 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 that's the 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 big this is the ongoing theme of the movie, I think. Mm-hmm. It's the sheer guilt Luke it's feels guilt. for not responding the way that he thinks people think he should have, yeah. rather than how he felt at that time was the right way, which was self-preservation. Yeah. You well, know? His, night- his nightmares in the forest bring him right back to that moment. He never leaves it. Yeah, because that Cause... first one when he's in the... Basically... The opening scene is him, they go over the initial murder of Rob um, mm-hmm. by these two, as as I've seen as so many, right, I will one, say one thing, the US um, YouTube videos I've seen that review this really, really don't understand British humour or, or, or the way we word things because mm-hmm. they weren't getting a lot of the banter they weren't oh. getting a lot of the. They kept going. Uh, they kept. They found it really odd. We referred to them as junkies. The two guys that was robbing that robbed Rob, basically. Yeah. And and they kept calling them meth heads. And I'm like, well, no, we don't really have that here. Um, no. No. <laughs> no. Um, they're either scagheads, junkies. You know, there's many, many different terms they get used for over Rats. here. You know. Rats. Rats. All round shitty humans is yeah. what I go for. But uh, yeah, that that they just didn't get the banter side of you know how we wind each other up. We're never complimentary yeah. to our friends. We never pat them on the back and go. Yeah, I mean, have you, have you met my friends on a, on a Sunday when they get together? <laughs> <laughs> All we, we do never, is just constant banter. <laughs> we never pat each other on the back and say "good job." Our version of "good job" is "ah, get fucked." You know that is, it really is. That is well, that the is minute, the minute you came on. Do I said you said what did I say when we when we logged on today? And I went like oh, you tit. <laughs> Me with my displaced anger management skills. <laughs> I was going, oh you tit. See, that's what we do. Well, banter is 
it's it's very different to others we insult each other which means we like you if you get insulted by one of us it means we like you exactly (laughs) and this was all shot in carpathian the carpathian mountains in romania i know when i heard that i was so jealous because it's like so close to brand castle and around that area i was like bastards yeah absolute bastards (laughs) (laughs) but going back to the movie so the because i book wise i have i haven't gotten to the we though i don't know if we, we haven't really get into the nitty-gritty of it got the friendship yeah. side got the you know that side of it but not really the nitty-gritty of it so i'm gonna stick mainly to the movie yes please yeah yeah cool so the book, i think it just it's it's a it's a very it's different people, do people do. yeah very, yeah very different yeah and if i if i if i given it more time I possibly could have done the movie and the book because the book isn't exactly a long book. It was 11 hours. I literally work a 10-hour working day. I could have fit that in. Mm. Um, But we could have done it side by side. But when when I was listening to the book, I was more excited for the movie. Yeah. I think... And I know know people have said on Facebook, it's it's brilliant and it is in its own right. I just find the movie a bit more interesting. I'm so sorry, Mike. (laughs) <laughs> think for me, and it will come out later. Why it, it well in depth more? Why I think the reveal of the the lead up, the suspense, the reveal, all of that sort of thing for me was unlike anything I've seen in the movie for a very very long time. With this oh, one, I do you want know, to get into that later on. Absolutely, yeah. I even wrote down a description of what it is I saw. Not... I've got a lot to do with the monster, quote unquote, for those at home that yeah. sit on iTunes and Spotify. Yeah, <laughs> quote, I, I wrote. Yeah, I wrote descriptions. I'm thinking of you, audio listeners. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I love, I, I love the the movie aspect of it more, and I do have some differences between movie and book, especially when it goes into the monster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the murders happened, and instantly. You are in the Swedish mountains. Yeah. And interesting fact number two, the way that they come out of the tent is the exact order that they die. Oh, really? Yes. I never knew that. Oh, that's Yes. Good. I like that. It's like my Golden Girls moment. There is a moment in Golden Girls where they are all standing in a line and it is exactly the order of their deaths. Isn't I'm that re- weird? I'm re-watching that every morning before I go to work. Fuck yes! Isn't it amazing? <laughs> Isn't it so ahead of its time? I, I honestly, I can see why. Uh, basically, every every gay man has this as a sense of humor and holds these women as pinnacles of of. Oh yeah, my gods! Gods, yeah. They, I, I mean, I've I've seen it when I was a kid when it came out. I I watched it originally, but like now I'm older and you can look back at it with 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 more experience. You appreciate it a bit more. But the worst thing is, they're supposed to only be like ten years older than me. Yeah. Yeah, well, we 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 we've we've spoke about that before, and how you know people people do look a bit older in the eighties than what they w- would have now. Um, Just a little bit. B. <laughs> Arthur is my absolute queen. I watch Golden Girls at least once a year. I fucking love it. It's just so ahead of its time. It's great. I love um, White, but Estelle Leonard is is probably my sense. Oh, so. Blanche man. I just love the way, I just I love the way that they call each other slags and think they can get away with it. <laughs> it's Betty's stories about dwarves and <laughs> get sucked down toilets and 
dive in and you can watch everybody just wetting themselves in the background trying hard not to break down so and she does it so straight face betty white you fucking legend she was <laughs> some monsters yeah. <laughs> some monsters number one <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah where was i oh yeah so they're getting out the tent order yeah. of of their deaths um which i which obviously is a is a would you cast as a death hag am i a death hag yeah uh, well you can be if you want I, I mean I know a lot of shit about death so yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah so they get out the tent and off on their walk now what I find hilarious is what you mentioned earlier about Dom being that friend because <laughs> instantly Dom hurts his fucking knee what the fuck did Dom do to that knee by the way because that did not look like he just hit it I thought he'd done his ankle because he fell down a hole so mm. I thought it would have made more sense that he'd done his knee, uh, his ankle, not his knee. But uh, yeah, knee choice, ankle. Dom, at uh, the minute he did it, I was like, oh no. Because you just know he's going to make the biggest fuss. I mean, don't get me wrong. You see towards the end that he weren't playing up. It was genuinely bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, it happened. I think there's an element of boy who cried wolf with Dom. Like, oh, absolutely and I think Hutch knew that because he just kept going mate it's not bad yes it's not great but it's not bad yeah you need to you need to walk you need we need to walk we need to keep moving fucking love Hutch yeah love He's the actor yeah. loved him love the character he was so he was saying everything you were saying as you are talking to the telly you need to move like regardless of how much pain you are yeah. you still cannot fucking sit here yeah, there's Can't. a couple of things. There's a thing the most I liked, the difference between the book and the, the movie in this respect is that Phil is completely different. How they describe Phil in the book is like yeah. Boris Bloody Johnson. Yes. That's what it sounds like. And in my head, when, you, when you're listening to the book, that's what I see for Phil. But they did keep the element that Phil was very underprepared. Phil had blisters. Phil was wearing jeans. Phil was doing dumb shit. He had a hoodie on. He had a did hoodie you know I mean? on. He was completely underprepared. Everybody else was in like extreme wet weather gear and knew what they were doing. And and Phil just went in his jeans, you know, yeah, <laughs> with a pair of probably Timberlands on or something, like modern, you know. And I like do. the fact they carried that over. It worked well for me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're on their adventure. <laughs> and is it the first incident? Is it the cabin? With the no, altar? it's the uh, elk in the tree. Oh my god, how the fuck could I forget that? Because I jumped out of my skin when it came up. So yes, um, big massive elk, very very much foreshadowing, hanging in the tree with its about guts about eight to ten feet up. Yeah, with its guts just on the floor, and as like... you do as you walk, and and they they treat it so normal at the start. <laughs> I think like they when they stumble up to it, they're like, uh, what would do that? Is there bears? And I'm thinking, <laughs> how the hell would a bear get that up there like that, unless there was two of them and they were co yeah. cognitively being able to communicate into a point where they both went, Oh, we're gonna put that up there, we're gonna yeah. hang it out. And there was no contraptions, there, there mm. was no hoists, there was no man-made tools to get it up there. I would have been like, right, I'm turning around right the fuck now and I am going back the way we came and I don't care. See ya. Bye. And that you would know, have been me. if they Sorry. did, then none of this would have happened. No. If, 
<laughs> no, none of this would have happened. So what they've done is, oh, that's what they've done. They've taken a shortcut. Yes, they have, because Dom's whinging and yep. Phil's whinging. Hutch and Luke can't be bothered with it, which makes perfect sense, because to be honest with you, I completely understand the want to think, right, okay, but if we go as the crow flies, we'll get there in half the time, and we can just put our feet up, and these two can shut up, and we can just yeah. chill. Yeah. So I understand the choice that Hutch made, and it made perfect sense at the time, but Hutch should have done a bit more research before making such a decision. Yeah. Because they took a shortcut through the forest and that's when things go tits up. Because, as you will find, stay out of the forest and you're fucking fine. (laughs) (laughs) But stay in it and everything goes to wrong. Goes to wrong? Goes to wrong. Wow, English just absolutely failed me there. Goes (laughs) wrong. (laughs) Um, And that's when they see the elk and then they end up at the cabin with the altar. Did you get heritage vibes from that? Well, put it this way, hereditary. Hereditary, yes. Well, I know this came out way before hereditary, didn't it? Hereditary Mm. was 2018, 2019. Possibly. It was it was before it was before the world went to shit. So yeah. Yeah, about 2018. Hereditary, this is the thing about Ariaster for me. I feel like he does what a lot of movie guys do. He picked and Pike's elements from movies and he manages to put them in his own and make people believe that he was the one that has pioneered it in that specific genre. Midsummer is a perfect fucking example of exactly what you just said there. Yes. For yeah. me, the ritual outclasses Midsummer. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong, Midsummer has its moments, obviously. Yeah. The I, I can't think of the word for it in Swedish, so I do apologize. But where the old people realize they're not contributing, so they kill themselves and throw Ooh. themselves. Ooh. Um, yeah, and that scene is so visceral and real. And watching the whole thing from falling from the initial jump to when they hit the floor, it's, it's great editing because it, it, you think it's actually happened and it hasn't. But you know, you know. Um, and then obviously the the end scene as well, which I won't spoil the end scene for people. But those two scenes, you think to yourself, "Oh, right, blimey, Jesus, that's where we are." But Ariaster, like I said, he has this 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 notion of being able to pick things from other movies, mm-hmm. and he definitely he must have seen this film because had to yes. have because that was yes. so that was because it um as they walk into a cottage, which by the way, I'm sorry, I am walking in there. It's the shit. Down. They're all soaked to the bone. Oh, They've made it be to a tiny clearing, and there's like these. It's a thing, apparently on the Swedish trail where there are a lot of these old pioneer cabins they're called or something along those lines Mm -hmm. where um, people used to live that farmed or tended the lands at the time. Um, So a lot of them are old and rotted and abandoned, Um, but it helps as a way station for people that um, are out there. But in theory, this part where they're at isn't really walked that often and they shouldn't, you know, you know, it's one of those things where, Mm they stumbled across somewhere where technically they probably shouldn't have been. <laughs> no, as yes. very evident when they walk in the bugger. Um, the, the altar is, oh my gosh, it's like wicker, isn't it? Why is it always wicker with these people? <laughs> wicker and twigs. It was a twigman without, without a head, without yeah. hands. Did he, he didn't have hands. 
in the it was, book, he had human hands sewn to it. The the, version, the goat thing in the book. Yes. It had mummified human hands sewn to the goat. So Yes. Yes, because yeah. I was I was in the midst of brushing my teeth <laughs> as that bit was as that bit was being read. And I was yeah. like, because the minute you said where it was, I went and got yeah. it, downloaded straight away and played it yeah. straight away. I thought I'll get a fucking head start. Um and yeah, that bit came on. I was like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> Very different, but I liked this one. Yeah, it's the best thing about this is it's scary. It's not like oh shit, it's scary because it's fucking gory, or you know, it's fucking scary. And a lot of that is down to the director of photography, um, the lighting choices, the camera that they used, because they used for the majority of this movie. It's based at nighttime. So the lighting that you get is either by torchlight or by firelight. Yeah. So you don't really get, um, you get a fair bit of daylight shots, but those daylights are undercover of the, the trees. So you're not getting any sunshine. You're not getting any natural light, so to speak. So this whole film is like grey. And then it's... Well, that's, that's one of my notes because I, I had like... I was writing stuff down as I was watching just to make sure that I, I pointed, but the colour of the sky. Yeah. That was absolutely breathtaking because it wasn't too dark and it wasn't too light. It was just like, just perfect enough. I absolutely, the sky really did uh, take my eye to it. But that fucking wicker, fucking headless bastard <laughs> altar thing Give me the heebie-jeebies straight away and instantly got Phil. So right. From, yeah, it scared the life out of Phil. But from what I could tell, describing it to you guys, it's like a wicker torso yeah. with no head and the hands, there's no actual physical hands, there's antlers instead of hands. Yes. And then the body goes down, but there's no technic. there's technically not legs, but there's like these stumps that have chicken feet on them. Was it chicken feet? Was it they chicken looked- It must have been. It looked like turkey or chicken feet, you know, like um, where they have three or four pointy toes and a very skinny ankle kind of yeah. thing. That's what it looked like. Whether that's what it was or not, I don't know. But it had these chicken feet attached to it. And it was in like this room, which was in like a loft space of the cabin. And it was all, you yeah. just knew it smelled of damp. You could smell it even though you you're could... not. You, oh, do yeah. you know what I mean? It had that whole. I smelt this whole film. Yeah. <laughs> smelled From... of forest and damp. <laughs> yeah. Wet grass. And fire. And like charcoal bonfire. And I was just thinking to myself, how much would my hair fever hit me for being <laughs> right there right now? <laughs> I don't think there's enough inhalers in the world that would have gotten me through that trek. Um, but the... The first motion, the first motion of anything is untoward. Yes, they've seen the elk, yeah. and they're trying to explain it away in their heads and to each other as to you know the whole it could have been a bear, um, or it was hunters or something or whatever. Yeah. When they're in the cabin, this is their first experience of. I don't want to use the word supernatural. Yeah. But it is. Yeah. But it isn't. Does yeah. that make sense? It's like it's almost like fever dreams. Yeah, it's like pagany, worshipy, like Odinism. I think I've seen it. Dis- I've seen it explained as loads of different versions, but like some sort of Odinism, not in the sense of this new sort of Hitler version of Odinism, but the the original Odinism and the um, 
uh, or, or it was uh, paganism or Nordic. It's Nordic. Um, it's everything's Nordic because the the ruins, the story, the creature. Yeah. It's all Nordic, and um, but so that's probably about well, paganism. That's what the yeah. That's what they followed anyway. They were pagans. Yeah. So I've, um, I've seen so many different versions of like what they said it was, but they all circle back to being pretty much the same thing anyway. So I remember writing something about Odin. I'm gonna go to my actual smaller notes when we get to the creature because. Yeah. I had to write small to fit it all in. <laughs> and it's all centered around the, the creature as well. Because yeah. I was just so fucking fascinated. It so is, yeah. fascinated by it. Um, so this is where the dreams start. And this is where Luke, you start to realize that it hasn't left Luke what happened by any stretch of the imagination. Even if that's all we got from that night was Luke's nightmare. It really explained Luke a hell of a lot more than what you had just seen because he does seem like a bit of a shell mm. like he's just smoking his way through a through a hiking trip which i thought was fucking brilliant and he's not there yeah there's nothing behind them eyes he's just he is just a shell of a man yeah he's there in in body but it, his head's like you can tell it it's just not there mm-hmm. and you so... don't you generally don't know up until the nightmare did he actually give a shit I kind of got the impression that they were just there out of duty at the mm-hmm. beginning, like when they're up on the the hill and they've got the li- they built the little tour. The, well, they see the little tour and they put all the stuff on, oh, uh, right. like the you little say goodbye to their thing. friend. Yeah, to say goodbye to Rob to mark the fact that they've done exactly what he wanted them to do. Put little photos up there, some bits and pieces, mm-hmm. and there's that bit where Hutch is pouring out the booze, and you can see Robert is trying not to fucking laugh when he's doing it. Rob uh, um, Hutch is like, you can see him. He's really trying to because the the there is this section where the when he's pouring the booze, it's too long. It's like Family Guy long. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and and it keeps going and it keeps going. And you're like, how the hell is there that much in there? You know, it's like, <laughs> it didn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, that, so that's where it sets the scene that this is all for Rob. So they all just kept powering through because it was for Rob. But even at that point, you saw the guilt on Luke's face when he was they were commemorating Rob. Yeah. So you knew it's still with him to this at this point. It's still sitting with him, but it's almost like he's trying to... I don't know how to word this right. Because it it is like he doesn't give a shit mm. because he's so fucking empty that he has to not give a shit and not feel anything not let to it in. just yeah. fucking survive. Correct. That's how, that's how it comes across. No, and that's the... exactly right. I mean, yeah, I, I can actually sympathise with that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Absolutely. God, I can imagine there's a lot of people who have felt mm. like that just to be able to fucking put one foot in front of the other. Um, but with the first nightmare, you get a realisation that, oh, shit, this is like fucking haunsome. And of mm. course it would haunt them. Yeah. Like, why would it not? But it's not just Luke who's going through these experiences. Each and every person is having their own mm. little, like, personal hell, really. I love the fact with this, that with the, the night in the cabin is one of two thing, interpretations in my mind. It was either everybody was reliving their own demon. Uh-huh. Or it was a test by Ooh. the the monster to find mm-hmm. which one it was. 
eeny, meeny, miny, mo that he was after. Which I... was the strongest fear, the guilt, the pain out of all of them so he could mark that person. That's exactly, exactly how I described it to Anne because we the mark on his chest that's yeah. when he, he gets it that night doesn't he he does because he wakes up outside but he wakes up just as he's given it and he, he, he snaps out of it foreshadowing on dom's part right yeah. there in that moment when he's shouting for his wife gail mm-hmm. um and hutch pisses himself yeah that's clearly out of fear so, so but you never find out hutch's thing do you you don't really find out specifically all of them in depth you're alluded to like Phil keeps just alluding to the fact that why was he naked? Why was he up there? He doesn't understand. He doesn't get it. Yeah, Phil is actually found in front of the altar naked. Absolutely, but naked. His clothes are stripped as he like all strewn over the floor up the stairs as you go up. Now, bear in mind, it's pissing down. This cabin's got water coming through it. He must have been fucking freezing. He must have been so cold. But he's kneeling down like he's like praying. Yeah, Uh worshiping, which is. The main theme of this movie, worship. But um, then I like, can't and- cross my feet. My slippers are so big. I'm going to have to take them off. Sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to cross my feet over and I can't. <laughs> but with Hutch, that, that's the one that eludes me the most because it's like, obviously, Gail is mentioned. So when it comes to Dom's death, when you come to Phil's as well, there's an element of something there as well. But with Hutch... Him standing up and of wetting himself, that's all you see. You don't find out anything else about what he dreamed about because yeah. it's like he point blank refuses to crumble because he knows his job is to get everybody through. Yeah. So he just steps up to the mark straight away and it's like, I've pissed myself. I don't want to talk about it. We've just got to get where we're going. Yeah. And I'll deal with it. And, yeah, because everyone's great. trying to analyze everything, which to be fair, Given the circumstances, you probably should have just to get a better idea of what you're up against. Mm-hmm. But in Dom's head, you are right. He just wants to get the not Dom, Hutch. Yeah. He yeah. just wants to get the fuck out of there. So he's like, I don't want to psychoanalyze this. I'm embarrassed enough. I just want to get fucking home. <laughs> yeah. Which is how my brain would be. I'd be like, I'm not even going to fucking deal with that right now. I just want to get <laughs> out and get gone. Get me out of these trees. Yeah. <laughs> but then when they come out of the cabin, it's daylight and they start to see the fact that there are runes marked all over yes. the trees. And uh, a lot of them are, the, the there are, um, there's a circle rune and that one means... Um, right. I've got it here. I'm going to read it yeah. out to you to the best of I my know, ability. I know what the Y one means with the, the stick in the middle with the Y on it. That's elk. With, that's that means elk. elk, yeah. So the ruined scene in the early part of the movie on the tree, as well as in the final act, is Othla. Yeah. Ordel ruin from the elder Fruhufuklak. The ruin of Or in the ancient written language of the Vikings is typically thought for as Odin's ruin, though it is though it also stands for heritage or estate or estate so property i own own yeah yeah own but yeah it's the Odin Odin ruin a lot of a lot of things to do with Odin in this by the way yeah um which makes sense at the end well not yeah it does because she does say it that one of the people so yeah my I'm just trying to remember if it's the lore afterwards where I got that from or actually from the movie and it is mentioned in the movie. Well, so. the book in the the book lore is different to the movie 
because the monster totally different monsters totally different monsters yeah so in the book i'll say it now in the book the monster the creature is i'll not do the movie one but the creature is oh it's a girl that's for one it's a woman it's lady goat isn't it yes that's it yeah yes not in the movie though but we'll get that later um <laughs> i'm grateful i've got to be honest because i think how they are they approach this in the movie the design of it <gasps> we will get to it because i will just start spilling everything <laughs> i have laid everything on this fucking monster because it is one of the most impressive ones we have ever covered and with so much fucking depth to it yeah as well i've got um, loads of notes to do with the monster that is probably where the bulk of my research yeah. is because to find anything about this movie prior to the monster is it, it, there isn't much substance you've got the backstory on the actors so if some of you don't know who Rafe Spall is get out from under your rock it is Timothy Spall from Alfie de Zane Pitt um it's I'm sorry Timothy... was that a was that a German accent or a Geordie accent that was something I don't know what come out of my mouth you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it I'll do it in my native tongue. Yeah. Alvida Sin Pet. That's what I said, yeah. Um, <laughs> but he was a Brummie, wasn't he? Um, he was a, yeah, he was the only Brummie. He was, he's the radish. <laughs> he's also Peter Pettigrew, for those of you that don't know Alvida Sin Pet. He is um, Peter he's Pettigrew in the Harry Potter. Huge, Potts. huge English character actor. Massive. But his son is one of the Andes. So let's not forget that. He is also responsible for coining one of the most iconic lines from a movie, a British comedy, or shall we say Zomcom movie. Can I see it? Go on. Hello, mate. Well, there's that, got, but there's also the got, other one. You've got, you got red on you. That is Rafe Spall yes. in Shaun of the Dead. And when you go back and watch that, you don't associate Rafe Spall then with Rafe mm-hmm. Spall now because... He, he lost a lot of weight. He lost a lot of he weight. He looks so different. But he's one of the Andes from Hot Fuzz, which is, again, part of the Cornetto trilogy and possibly one of my favourites. I fucking love that movie. Rafe and Paddy, <laughs> isn't it? Paddy yeah, Constantine. Paddy Constantine. Um, the, their lines together is absolutely hilarious. Um, that movie's no so good. tells me nothing, Bill Bailey. Oh, for the greater nothing. good. <laughs> greater <laughs> good. Uh, so you, you have to finish it off. Me and Antho always do. But yeah, Rafe Spall, um, he's just as legendary character actor, in my eyes anyway, as his dad is. Um, I just think every person he plays is somebody completely different. Yeah, and in he really this... hates him in Dominion, is it? Yeah. It lost... Uh... Is it Lost Kingdom or Dominion? Yeah, One of the new ones. Dickhead in that. Yeah. Um, I'm glad he gets squished. Um yeah. but yeah, it, it to me, it's like he's he's ga- gathering momentum more and more the older he's getting. So it must be his, a thing lately. His dad was like that though. Yeah. Like his dad didn't start like it wasn't Alvida saying pet and then off to the, you know, he, he worked. For that, I love. Um, Timothy Spall did a great. Um, like it was. It was for English telly, and I don't know if any Americans got it, but it was the Enfield Haunting. Yeah, but I don't know if that's what it was called. But he played Morris Gross, the investigator who was part of the paranormal team. Yes, it was the. Oh God, it wasn't the Conjuring version. It was the Enfield. I'm sure it was the Enfield Haunting. The, yeah. the they did like a, a British movie, didn't they? 
yeah of, yeah of essentially the conjuring too because it's yeah apart from the warrens didn't fucking bust the door open and say we're here to save the day and yeah. it was pretty much it was morris gross and his paranormal team who were part of a paranormal investigation thing like a society mm-hmm. and it was him and it was timothy spall who played him and he was absolutely fantastic that man is yeah. just Mwah. love him still the radish though still and- will always be for the radish then you've got like uh Robert Collier. Um he was he's done loads of stuff. He was in Corrie um for you soap fans. He was in uh The Crown, he's been in Downton, he's done a lot of like that stuff. So he is Thomas in Downton Abbey. And I have never seen it. I do not want to. It does not appeal to me in the slightest. But yes, I've been told he's very good in that. If you if you listen, he's a dick in it. If you, but he grows on you in the end. Um, but yeah, you. if you've listened to me on a Sunday, you know that Downton Abbey is one of my favorite programs of all time. Um, it just it found me in the right moment. Yeah. My husband was watching a football tournament. Could not tell you which one. And I went, you know what? Let's do it. But. Tangent number two. If you want to, if you want a sequel to Titanic, the movie, so watch Titanic the movie and then watch Downton Abbey straight away, because it is literally the day after when they get a newspaper. The opening episode of Downton is that they get the newspaper to say the Titanic has just sank. So it is a perfect, you know, follow-on from each other. There you go. I'll get out of I'll get out my Downton moments. But yes, he was um he wasn't in the crown, he was in Downton. And then there was uh, Asher, uh, Asher, Asher, Asher Ali, who Sam, I've gone blank on his surname. Troughton. Troughton, that's it. Yeah, they were the that was Dom and that was Phil. I haven't seen them in anything else, but apparently, where is uh, Asher, Sam Asher Ali? I, I don't know. Yeah. I've written it down, but apparently Sam was in uh, in Aliens versus Predators, AVP. Like I, I can remember that played. film. <laughs> But uh, also, Rafe Spore was in Prometheus. I did. Not yes, know he was. I can't remember who he was. I can now. I love Prometheus. I know it gets a lot of shit, and I really get angry at the end of it. But <laughs> I actually really come on, man. Just fucking step to the side of the spinny wheel. He's one of the. Um, he gets. Oh, oh, fuck me! I do remember it's it. Such a long time since I've watched that one. I can picture him in the underground scene. And they get stuck there. I'm sure of it. Yeah. But this is me. Um, my memory isn't great. <laughs> Hence the reason I write things down. Yeah. Um, yeah. I he yeah, he definitely wasn't Prometheus. Right. Well, but I've never Yeah. <laughs> but I can't say that I can remember Aliens versus Predator. Oh, I can remember it was terrible. Uh... <laughs> it happened. Um <laughs> But they, the once they leave the cabin, they they then panic because they start to see all these rooms. So they then make a decision of to follow the path, don't they? This path that they see yeah. is carved out. The, 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 in, I don't know how where they're seeing this path from, but no. if they if they're seeing the seeing a path, then they're seeing a path. Well, I think Dom didn't he? He just started to head down something that looked like a path, and they were like, "No, mate, we've got to go this way." And Dom started going a completely different direction. And uh, they all followed him just to make life easier, which ended up yeah. making life way worse. So because Dom's a dick. <laughs> so they're coming off the back of having 
a really bad nightmare. None of them know which way's up. They're all trying to find somewhere to settle down because they know nighttime's coming around again. Yeah. I think like they cut to a mm-hmm. bit later. And there's lots of chatting going on between them. None of them really want to talk. Phil is just like a shallow, like ghost of a man at the yeah, minute. Yeah, he's very Doesn't... haunted at this point. Yeah, um, I think that's the right word, actually, haunted. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's gone. Like, he's white, you know, sheep white all the time. Dom's just angry. Hutch is in that sort of determination mode. Oh, is, this is, is this where they have their fight? Yeah, Luke's trying to be a realist but he's also trying to see the end game the end goal he wants to make sure they get to where they are so that's Mm -hmm. where they will have that massive fight and they bring up about how it was Luke's fault that Rob died basically Dom starts laying into him about it I think this is the I generally think this is the first time he 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 is how they really feel Hutch obviously being the diplomatic man that he is Stands back and just keep. He just keeps telling Dom to shut the fuck up. Mm. I love, I, I love his accent. I love his mank accent where he's just like, shut the fuck up. Just we well, can you just shut the fuck up <laughs> all the time. I love it. But one line of dialogue that really set me teeth on edge was, "I'm not your fucking friend anymore." What when Dom says that? When um, Luke. no, Luke says it to Dom. I'm not yeah. your fucking friend anymore. And yeah. I went, oh man, man, how old are you? <laughs> But I think a lot of it is Dom had just been sniping at him for so many, like for what two or three days at this point they were mm-hmm. they were down the line, and and Dom had just done nothing but snipe or make comments or just yeah. you know really not talk to Luke much, and when he did, it was all quite snippy, snappy. Yeah, so I think at that point, I think when you've got nothing else to think of, and all you're doing is trying to get through the day to get to the next place to camp. Mm-hmm. I imagine that's where Luke's brain just went. Oh, fuck. I can't. I can't be bothered. I no. am not your I fucking not your friend. So from that point, I can understand where they get where you know where they got to this place. But that's when they have to find somewhere to camp, and they start talking about how to get through to the next section. Yeah, don't they? And uh, that's where they're all actually in their tents at this point. They find a little clearing, and that's when we say goodbye to number Uno. Mm. And I'm really good at that he was the first one to go. So the nightmare start again before that even happens. And it's foreseen that a tent is gone or ripped up. But I think it's just after Luke has the reoccurring dream of Rob's yeah. And I, I don't know if you've noticed, but every time there's more forest in the shop. Yes, it gets more and more, doesn't it? it build, yeah. It's like building. It starts off at quite basic. Like shop floor. Boss floor, yeah. Then it builds and it grows and it yes yes I did yeah every time he has the night the nightmare or the dream it just keeps getting more and more mossy and wooded where they are and it's enveloping the whole dream now so you can tell at that point that the monsters feeding it's there it's looking well, it's at this when on their first encounter their first nightmares. Luke is marked on his yeah. chest, which looks like a fucking someone has hoofed him in the chest. Mm. Literally, quite literally hoofed him in the chest. Yeah. And he keeps it quiet, which always bothers me. Why do you why do you have to keep it quiet? Why couldn't you just tell someone? But no. I don't think at that point he could he felt like he could trust anyone. I think he yeah. just it it I think had they got on before Dom had his big wobble. 
I think he might have mentioned it, but because Dom had his wobble and stormed off, he probably just thought it's, it's just not the time to bring this up now, is it really, you know? I mean, yeah. Who's to say they, they have this huge fight and he's like, well, I've got this. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's where the, just after Luke's having his nightmare, then he turns around and they see, he sees the, the tent being ripped up, but then he snaps out of it and he just yeah. sees... He hears them screaming, oh. I think, doesn't he? Like Dom yeah, and, um, and Phil, like he's gone, he's gone, he's gone. And, he and then you can hear you can hear Hutch in the background screaming. screaming. Absolutely Ugh. screaming. And I love this because you don't see the kill. Nope. Don't need to. Nope. There is enough going on. There is enough to be scaring you. You don't need to see this kill. I don't want to see it. No, I'm glad we didn't because, to be honest with you, it takes the mystery away. At this yeah. point, you still haven't seen the. the we don't know what it is. Yet. Yeah, we don't know what it is. They, I don't even think they have. I mean, good God, why would you think? Yeah, that is what's awaiting you because <laughs> you would not. I mean, I would now, yeah. but before this, not a chance. So they, they obviously, it'll be a lot of what ifs. Yeah, it could be. It must be. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. Kind of like trying to, to get, sorry, my cats are going nuts in the background. They're not coming in. I'm not having another fucking episode of a podcast where I'm having been attacked by kittens or fucking dogs. They're not coming <laughs> in. Um, sorry for anyone who's watching on YouTube. You're not seeing my cats tonight. Um, <laughs> so yeah, a lot of what ifs are going on in their head and it clearly is not what we know yeah. it eventually will become. But it is foreshadowed. I suppose this isn't, the thing that foreshadows this is the death of the elk. The elk you see in the tree is... That's what I said. That's the first yeah. foreshadowing of... And I didn't want to spoil it until we got up to it, but it's Hutch's death. Yeah. Hutch is killed and gutted from stern from neck. <gasps> to, right, yeah, sternum to, to like groin and everything is hanging out and he looks exactly like the elk did in the tree. Um, and he's also ten, eight to ten feet up in the air on, tr on tree spike. I wonder if a bear did it. <laughs> It was bears, clearly. <laughs> Fucking Yogi and his little friend have come out. <laughs> yeah, Yogi and Boo Boo did it. Boo Boo, yeah. that's it. Um, um, <laughs> and then, like, you, the, the, the boys basically run around trying to find him. And in doing so, I think they lose the camp as well. I don't know if you've noticed at this point. That's where yeah, that goes get me. lost. Yeah. So they go to, they find Hutch. And that's when everything goes even more to shit because Hutch was the glue. That's why they had to kill him off first. Yeah. Hutch was the one that kept them all together. Hutch was the the practical. Hutch save. could have gotten them out. Yeah, he he was the one that this was all dependent on. Him keeping his shit together meant that they would they would get yeah. out. They would survive. Yeah. And with him gone, you know inevitably that this isn't going to go well. <laughs> Nope, it's all going to go tits up because you've got someone who is an absolute um, a shell of a man. You've got someone who is clearly haunted by the spirits of something. Yeah. And you've got another one who's an absolute arsehole. Yeah. So you really don't have a recipe of working together to get out of a situation. It isn't going to happen. Hutch is now gone. And what I really loved about Hutch's um, scene was they didn't close his eyes. Yeah. He was just staring his, at them down, wasn't he? Yeah, his eyes were wide open, and it makes my makes my little soul so happy that they didn't try and touch their eyes. But what really got Dom's like, 
we need it. We need to do. We can't just leave him here. You're like, what the fuck are you going to do with them? He was a big guy. Like, Not you just can't... that. How did they get him down? Because they end up taking the compass off him and yeah. they lay him on the floor. Because then Dom has that whole moment where he likes. He wanted to cover him with twigs. Oh, they're coming in. Ghosts. Um, nope. Well, nope. There's a glitch in the matrix. Black cat. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's um, little shit. They get him down. They take the compass. They take the knife. Um, I mean, to be fair, it does make sense. They're taking the things that they need to continue on with the journey. Um, so they're at a point now where they know that they've got to make it back to wherever. But they don't. It never. They never mention they've lost their way from the campsite. But you mm-hmm. don't see them ever go back to the campsite, and you don't no. see them put extra clothes on at this point because this is where everything starts to go wrong. And just like everything is starting to go wrong right now. I said they weren't coming in. My cats have opened the door by themselves. Do you know what it is? It's because they don't like doors all closed. They think that they just fucking left. They think that they're missing out on shit. So yeah. they go and open the, oh, the little assholes. Oh, Loki's what? Loki's here though. Hey. <laughs> That'll but, make sense to you in a bit. <laughs> they um yeah, they so this is where then where you see uh Rafe has been running around trying to find something. He goes up to the top or yeah, that's it. He goes up to the top and he sees a bunch of fire and he knows where the, the next the places they need to get to. So he, he runs up to the top to get a good view, realizes that it's not that far. He looks um, so, so happy. Yeah, I mean you would be, you'd be so relieved to see lights and, and stuff. Genuine and... happiness is on his face. It's not falsified, it's not yeah. fake, it's not holy fuck, I'm gonna get away from these people behind yeah. us. It's genuine happiness. And then when he comes back down, no one's there. Phil's mm-hmm. gone, Dom's gone, they're not there. Nope. And he then... didn't go that far away from them either. Like realistically, we walk with we walk with Luke to the top. Yeah. He didn't and he walk that up far. There for, what, maybe five, ten minutes he was mm-hmm. gone for, and then it was pitch black when he came back down. Yeah. And next thing you see is Phil shouting, because he stumbles across Phil somehow, and you see Phil get snatched by a pair of hands. That's all you see if you're not looking much. My skin is crawling. <laughs> and you just see the, the torch drops, and you just see... Fucking hands these pair of hands and then he you see him being lifted yeah and then he's gone you you don't see much more than that um he can't find dom he's just paralyzed with fear at that point um and all you do is you watch the classic torch roll come down where it hits the ground and it's covered in blood because it's red so you yeah. know things aren't good so that's your first warning sign that yeah um, and then he <laughs> finally finds Dom squatting behind a like a log or something, doesn't he? And they're standing yeah. there, they're like, "What the hell do we do? What you know? Where do we go from here? What was that? I don't know." And then do they stumble upon the? This is a bit I can't remember. So they they get chased. That's and it. They, yeah. they get chased by something what they can't actually make out, but they are getting chased, and they they fight their way because this literally is a fight into the door. Yeah, uh, it's like to be honest. At this point, it's like one's trying to push the other. Mm. You go, no, you go, no, and they get through the door and they both land in um, Shit's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yep, yeah. It's the, the the door they don't want to be behind. 
but they feel like it's the safest place to be. Um, and this is this is just where it goes all tits. We said it goes all tits up earlier. This is the worst. Yeah, this isn't great. Yeah, they um they get held captive by the locals. Yeah, yeah, the local the local people held hold them captive. Um, I think Dom doesn't get a smack across the face, but Luke does because Luke's knocked out and on the floor and Dom's awake he's got it he Dom has an idea of what's going on he knows there's people outside and Luke gets a chance to see them from a yeah. like a little hole he makes in the in the fence yeah wall, the, like, wooden wall, wall. yeah uh-huh and they can see that they're preparing an altar it's an altar it's a it's a sacrificial altar yeah there's no two ways about what they are making there that fucking daughter's doing my head in sorry <laughs> um there's no two ways about what they're actually making it's an older yeah. um even though i don't think he tells them that no i don't remember him, him telling them like why would he but i think dom soon starts to realize his own mortality um because he tells luke his dream yeah and, and why like, he was shouting gail yeah and he's like this is it this is it for me mate just just promise me you'll burn this fucking place down yeah. is what he says to luke um and luke, luke but luke's just it's the way he says but i don't have to do that i don't have to do it because you're gonna we're gonna go out to eat together we're gonna burn this together i don't have to tell your wife shit i loved the way rafe uh spoil played that moment because regardless of what happened on that hill and whatever feelings that they felt for each other at that time it didn't mean jack shit in that moment yeah yeah and i loved that it, it it was a really good set in the scene for like the next bit to, to Dom's frame of mind because Dom had sort of half accepted his fate at this point yeah. um, but at the same time you could see he was so petrified because they took him out, they beat him up and then they threw him back in again and then he was just like, look, I know this is what's going to happen to me. Next thing you know, they're pulling him out and they put him on the um, it's not a crucifix, it's the elk sign isn't it? They, yeah. they stretch him out on the, on a giant uh, Nordic rune basically mm-hmm. Um as a sacrifice, you know, for what we are about to witness. Yeah, which is um, Moda. Moda. Or Moda, let's, depending let's, on how you let, pronounce let's, it. Let's just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my handwritten description as I was watching this, because I paused it, right? Creature has human hands with a horse-like face. Four legs, antlers, eyes, a spine, and it's really fucking scary. That's exactly what I wrote as I was watching it. It is genuinely one of the the, the most. I have to say, the ingenuity and the the just the words. thought process that went into this by um, his name is Keith Thompson. Oh, concept design for Moda. He was uh, also responsible for the Cenobites in Hellraiser for 2022 remake, or whatever you want. Yes. So this guy knows how to use skin. And if you go on his website, I think it's something like uh, Keith Thompson Art or something like that, you see a lot of his sketches, and yeah. they are messed up. It is the, the, the stuff of nightmares. This guy knows how to give you the ick through just a drawing. 
So I was, uh, I was, I don't think it was the word. It was terrifying. Yeah. But more you... just what the fuck am I looking at right here? There are so many pieces to you that I can't quite figure it out. And um, the, the creature in mention in this one is referred to as Loki's bastard child. Yeah. It's not in the book. It's not in lore either. No. Um, oh, well, I've got... Creature is based on uh, Jotam. Jotam. Or Jota. Yeah. It's from... a Jotam. From Jotam. The... That's Jotam it. You don't pronounce the J, do you? Um, from Greek mythology, the, throughout the movie, the creature... Creature's two... Oh, that's one of my notes. Throughout yeah. the movie, the creature's two eyes can be seen. Yeah. It's... The way they sculpted him... It took me probably two watches to realise it was two different corpses for the face. So, what? yeah, so the the top the top half is someone holding antlers and no head, like a decapitated. So ah, it's a right. Then it gets cut off at the groin area, mm-hmm. at which. Or it's the gro- it's one other way, or it's the feet with the antlers attached, and the neck area is where the eyes see through. Yeah. And that's where the hands come from underneath. So there's that ah, secondary set of that- hands. Now there's a, th- a second set of hands from the original face, and they're down by the crutch. So you've got four. How many sets- fucking hands do you need? You've got two sets of hands and two sets of hooves. So you've got eight in all. Which is why they think they have borrowed from the Norse um, um, of Slipnir. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, right. I've got, hold on, hold on, hold on. So I've got the creature bears resemblance to the beast of Selvik, uh, Selvik folklore, the Leshi, the Leshki. Am I saying that right? There's so many different versions. It's a wood guardian spirit that takes a variety of forms. Yeah. Basically, he's an elemental to a degree, but he's also got the powers to... He he lives on fear and... Well, um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, this he depends on worship through fear for his strength and its power. Now, technically, the word moda translates in Swedish to mother. So it is a female... Yes, that's it. That's what it is in the book. Yeah, so even though it's classed as bastard son of Loki, and in theory, most of the monsters that Loki um, had given, you know, they were with Angra Boda, who was his wife, uh, and she was the mother of monsters. That was her title. So she gave birth to Fenrir. She gave birth to the world serpent um, and Hela. They were the three children of Loki. Yes. But obviously people think that Loki, uh, Hela is Loki's sister when he's not. It's it's Oh, that's just Marvel history. That's my friend. I mean, but people will take that as as red, won't they? Yeah. If you want a really good book that is um, of, of, because I've tried, I I love Norse mythology. Um, Neil Gaiman brought out an excellent one on Norse mythology. The stories in that are mwah. I went into it thinking, fuck yeah, Thor's my guy. I fucking love him. He's absolutely He's great. Nice. <laughs> He's a fucking douchebag. He's an asshole douchebag. And no, my guy, my Lolo, my Loki, that's what I call Loki. Um, my Loki is standing at the end of the world, at the end of Ragnarok, and he fucking survived. Yes. Um, 
yes, that's who my my kitty cat is named after. But they think that uh, Sleipnir was the bastard child of Loki because there was a horse, um, and it, it basically oh, it was all based around was... the bet. The yes, bet the giant that was disguised as a human that had a horse, and the bet was that he would have um, Freya. And he would have some other things if he could get this thing built, like the wall. And Freya, built and Freya said, "Fuck you." Yeah, she <laughs> said, "Fuck you, no." And the men in the council and Odin that were like, "If you do it in a day, you can have all those things." And they were like, "It's yes. an impossible task; you'll never get it done." But and he was he edging towards getting it done, so they tasked Loki with the job of distracting him to the point of where they wouldn't have to give the guy his his um, his due. So Loki disguised himself as a female horse ran off with the horse of the guy that owned the that, that was trying to build this wall and because the horse was a super strong horse and loki was clearly a god of mischief that horse uh, loki then gave birth himself yes to Sleepnir, which is an eight-legged horse which is therein why they think that moda has eight legs in this even though it's four hands and four hooves yeah. That's what they base the the look oh, on. Oh my god, I totally forgot about that story. Yeah. So it's it's messed up when you start going into it. You're like, Jesus Christ, that family needs some help. But um, well, well, yeah, <laughs> look who Odin, their dad is. But Odin then took Sleipnir, and it became Odin's horse. Sleipnir became Odin's what he rode on all the time. So. True. Well, the way that the monster hangs its victims mirrors the part of. God, you are going to have to apologize. I'm going to have to apologize severely for my um, pronunciation here. Part of the Astara mythology about right. Odin, who originally gained wisdom and knowledge from the rune magic by hanging upside down from a tree. Oof. So, yeah. No, thank you. But he, well, he, Odin was all about knowledge. Yeah. And that's why he like, obviously gives his eye up. Uh, I was going to wear my, I have a beautiful um, Odin Raven necklace and I was going to wear it tonight and then I was like no one's actually going to see it <laughs> they won't be able to see it um I absolutely adore um adore is that a word should I use that word when I'm talking about uh Norse mythology I love when I get on Norse TikTok as well <laughs> like I am living for these people who really follow the way of the old like really follow the way of the gods and they use that these deities as, as yeah deity is the right word mm-hmm. um to to maneuver through their life i love it fucking living for it yeah it's um it's one of those things where oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> hello are you okay no, no we're recording Shit, sorry. <laughs> ah, hi rob hello. <laughs> all right yeah okay i'll leave you to <laughs> speak to <in> a bit <laughs> Oh my god! So it's it's not just cast. <laughs> it's not just me who gets interrupted today. Awesome! Oh, I'd have, I'd have I'd have Rob on here in a heartbeat. I'm just saying that. If you wanted to get banned from YouTube, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um the, the whole thing about the Norse mythology section on this and about Moda itself. Moda is actually as well. I found a whole section now. This could be complete boulder dash and a load of old rubbish. Actually, Rob found this section, not me. Um, and it was about the motor as we see it here in the... I don't know if you can see that very well. Oh, yes, I see it. Um, for our audio listeners, you will not. No, but it, it's a, a visual picture of mm-hmm. how motor is represented in the movie. 
Yeah. Uh, he's also a D&D character. Oh, shit. They've, made, they've either made him a D&D character or somewhere in the law at some point he was, she was. Because uh, it's basically, it says here, Moda is a demigod, um, granting the followers a cruel form of immortality. She stalks and marks wood devotees, plaguing them with guilt-ridden dreams that cause the victim to either submit to their promise of eternal life or else be sacrificed for their defiance. She is a nature demigod. Oh. So she is a demigod, which makes sense because she's Loki's kid, so she would be a demigod. Yeah, she would be. Um, um, that's it says here, the, uh, this thing fascinated me, though, but um, she appears as a gigantic elk-like monster with a skeletal head that resembles a human torso topped with antlers in place of legs, a pair of human-like hands and a pair of bright yellow eyes where the crotch should be. Gigantic spikes protrude along the spine and his body is overgrown with plant-like matter. And basically, what it, go- it goes on to say that if, if you worship Moda, she she grants you immortality basically but the catch with the immortality is so grim you're mortal but mm-hmm. your body isn't because when he goes into the church upstairs um you know when he finds them worshiping upstairs when yeah. he breaks free and there's all those yeah mummified <gasps> people Oh, they're all alive. Yes, well, that that's another thing that I wrote down is what the fuck is with them people? Yeah, they are all devotees and worshippers of Moda. That they Moda's eternal life. They're not dead. They're still there, but their bodies aren't. So this is the catch of worshiping Moda. You can live forever, but your body won't. Lit- Oh, fuck that. Fuck no. Uh, whoever did the um, special effects makeup artist on the dead was fucking amazing. Yeah, the, I couldn't find um, it out. The dried up skin, the the pulled back features, the, mm. oh, I just hate the fact that I loved it. Yeah, because it's <laughs> free and he goes upstairs into the church area. And um, like, yeah, that's one Dom's, so Dom's yeah. bit the dust. So, yeah, at this point, which, Dom's been put on a tree. So he gets the tree treatment too, but he sees Gail before he sees what is actually in front of him. And that's what freaked me out. The fucking hands. Fucking hands. The the fucking hands. Um, Didn't like the hands. Um, Yeah, so he he sees his wife first, which I loved. And I like the fact he got that moment before the realisation of, holy fucking shit. And yeah, (laughs) Dom gets pierced onto a tree and bye-bye Dom. So we are solely just with Luke at the end. On a little side note, I forgot to mention that Phil is the only one when impaled on the tree is facing the wrong way. Phil's death was literally, you didn't get to see it until the lads were running past what happened to him. And it's very quick, but you see Phil is facing towards out of the forest, like, or into the forest. Do you think that's that's something to do with the fact of it's worshipping? Yeah. They he felt like he, wasn't he had his back prepared. towards them. Yeah, he wasn't prepared to, to worship because if you look at all the other corpses, they're all yeah. facing in. But there was a fan theory that the woman worshipper that talks to Luke that explains about Moda a little bit was mm-hmm. the child of the couple of the, 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 of the family that they found the tent for earlier on which we didn't mention but they found find an old oh, yeah all grown over and they find a wallet and it's got a picture of a family and credit oh. cards 
and they reckon that that woman was the child in the photo of the, the family photo and that had been there since the 80s so it would make she sense could, well, she could speak english she she could she everyone everyone else was speaking to them in their native language yeah and she was the only one who could communicate with them and luke does escape his shackles which looks really piss poorly put together um <laughs> he does I'm escape them and what we forgot to mention we are all over the place but a witch Witch, witch, the witch, the witch. So the witch, before Dom's bit the dust, comes in to. It's to pick, isn't it? Because at this point, Dom hasn't been picked for sacrifice yet until she's met both of them. Yeah, and she meets him, and when she realizes they, she has the mark. That's when Dom's fate is sealed. Yeah. Now she does the. <laughs> the weirdest thing possible and he's like she pulls his top down to see the mark and then goes oh, child look at mine i got the same yeah. um totally reminds me of a story from when i went to camden market for the first time i was 19 years old and oh, i was so excited like you know got it like just a goth fantasy and we were warned that there was a lot of dodgy shops um, and to be careful with them you could tell which ones were which, just stay away. Um, and as we're walking down the street, my friend who had on tartan trousers with, you know, suspenders and everything, very much the punk kind of look. This guy went, you you like punk? You like, you like tartan? I got loads of tartan trousers. Come with me, come with me. And we go into what looks like a shop. So it has a counter, but it has stacks upon stacks of t-shirts everywhere. And he goes, come with me in the back. And I'm saying to my friend, fuck no don't do it don't do it but someone actually does buy something in this shop they do show us a back honestly it looked like something out of a movie it was a back entrance to another warehouse that just had shitloads of tartan trousers in it was so surreal but as we were getting served the um the the woman who served us went so do you live the punk lifestyle do you really really live the punk lifestyle and she went, you got tattoos? You got tattoos? And we're all like, yeah, we've got, got tattoos. And she goes, have you got one of these? And she literally pulls her top down. And she's got a swatch sticker tattooed on her chest. I just went, get the fuck out of here now. Mm-hmm. And I fucking darted out. I was so shocked. And it totally took me back to that moment when that witch went, and <laughs> pulled her top down. To be clear, punks and swastikas are not... They then they don't work together. They don't yeah. go hand in hand. You're talking Too about totally... skinhead. You're talking yeah. about the old like Nazi skinhead. You're not talking about the skinhead movement of the eighties, seventies. Yeah. You're not talking about that. You're talking no. about a yeah. Nazi sympathizer. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, get the no. fuck out of here. I've never ran so quickly. Like no, no purchase was made. No money yeah. was exchanged. We just got the fuck out of there. But fuck me, when she did that, it totally took me back to that moment. This is like oh, 20, odd years, 20 <laughs> odd year ago. And um, where she pulls that top down to reveal that she has the same marking as him. So therefore, he's not going to be care sacrificed. It's going to be poor little Dom. Um, but yes, he escapes. And the funniest fucking part of this film is watching Luke punch that woman. <laughs> punch the witch. I wanted to bring the witch up just to mention that moment because yeah. it was so funny. Basically, just set fire to the entire congregation upstairs in the loft. 
and then he comes down and she's just standing there looking at him and he he just you can see it's an instant decision it's not yeah. something he he was prepared to do he went walking down the stairs you know let me at him you know he went like that it was just, <laughs> just out of just, nowhere he just like hesitates and just goes <laughs> yeah you see him look take one look at her and he could have just pushed her but Enough. no he, he just he literally <laughs> he bobbed her like a punch her right in the face and yeah. she you all you hear is bang and it's like oh she'd be dead i think why do i find stuff like that funny it's like in captain marvel where I know that that's not a real old woman, it's a scroll behind it, but I still laugh me arse off at it. I think there's a thing though, isn't it? We're, that is a, a, another layer to the British humour in this because we yeah. find pain funny. Slapstick is something we've grown up with. So therefore it sort yeah. of falls a little bit into the realm of you hurt yourself, it's funny. Yeah. So It's true because the minute yeah. I hurt myself, I either cry or I laugh. Yeah, One two, of the two, two is going to happen. <laughs> so... Luke gets to the point where he's he's done everything. He's, he's pretty much, he's almost on his way out. And then the woman that was talking to him to explain to him about what he's got to do and how he's supposed to worship Loki, who is the one that we think is the daughter from the, the yeah. campsite, he steals her eyes and he kills yep. her as, as Luke's trying to exit. Which I thought, why is he stealing her eyes? I, I think she said something about you don't look it in the eyes. Um, oh, and she did, and I think she might have done, and or he took her eyes for telling Luke what he needed to do. There was something I I don't know whether I missed it or it just wasn't said, but he took her eyes, and then she was dead on the floor. Um, so they're all they all have eternal life until Modar kills them, or they they're technically well, killed. yeah, because that's the that's the gift they yeah. can be t- given or taken away, and he can just. They can just take it away whenever they want to. So Luke makes it. So this bit really confused the life out of me was the scene where they're face to face with each other. Yeah. So Luke comes face to face with the monster and the monster makes Luke bow, which I understood. Worship. All all this fucking thing wants us to be worshipped. Yeah, because that's how it gets its strength. Yeah, I don't. It's not really asking a lot for someone just to bend down, but he goes like, Luke is forcefully bent down. Now, the creature then does the same to him. It bows. I think it's trying to thank him for his worship. Is that what it's doing? That's what I kind of got the image. He's like, if you bow, I will say thank you for you bowing to me. Therefore, we have a mutual respect here and you will then be bestowed with your immortal life. That's where the process starts. Like it's an exchange of a... Okay, that makes sense. I was just wondering why they were having a bow off with each other. Well, it felt like part of what the, the like a rich the ritual or ceremony would be to get him to that point of um, accepting the eternal life. Yeah, you know? yeah, that that makes it that makes a lot Lord more sense than what I was thinking of. But Luke escapes after he does get put down a couple of times, like get on your knees. Yeah, um, and then Luke escapes, and this is probably one of the most emotional parts of the movie is when he gets out of the fucking forest. But just before that, it's that mm-hmm. shot, which to me is, even though it's CGI, it is one of the most beautiful shots of the entire movie. Just after um, Modar's literally um, reared up and Modar's doing the praying hands above the head. Yes. And you see the, the whole shot. The whole body. And it looks incredibly totem-like. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and and if you're someone who's watched, say, Hannibal or um, you are into the Norse gods, totems are still a massive thing yeah. um, about how they worship because it's how they show their yeah. their gods. And uh, it just it just looks so stunning that. And then it, to go into the cabin being burnt down in the background and you see, this is where you see the full silhouette of mm-hmm. Moda because it, it it's it's literally just fire and silhouettes that's all yeah. it is there's not really any other coloring but there's something so absolutely it's breathtaking about that it's shot beautiful shot it really is it i couldn't i didn't care that there was no practicality in that whatsoever and Th- i know that, that is one of the yeah. times that you have to you've got to you've be so creative you've got the tools to be so creative and you come up with that. Like that's what it's meant for. Yeah. I loved it. Um, and yeah, that Luke gets gets the fuck out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets out. And the this is actually something that I found when I was reading to not I wasn't looking for meaning or hidden meaning, but just something of an explanation as to the like to help us clarify what I was thinking about the characters and their well-being and the and their thought process. Um was the scream at the end. Where they're screaming at each other. Yeah. Because Moda stops on the tree line because Moda cannot leave the tree line because of... I bet they wish they knew that earlier. <laughs> well, you think, wouldn't you? Because that's its domain. That's its, yeah. um, that's its border. It can't come out. Plus, it was incredibly weakened due to the fact that all the worshippers had been killed at that point. Yeah. Because Luke had killed off half that the congregation... Sense. And then Modar got angry and started killing off all the live worshippers that were left. And so it was in a weakened state. But it, it you could see it was like trying to call him back. Like, please. Yeah, that's that's the kind of impression I got. It mm-hmm. was like maybe almost like a desperate beg towards Luke. And Luke was too angry. So Luke was just giving rage. Like all that pent up stress and guilt and everything that led Luke up was- in this movie all come out when he was screaming yeah. back and they were just doing this exchange of screams and it was just I, like I, I nearly cried at that moment and it's more when when Mordor stops screaming mm-hmm. and he keeps on going and it's all that pent-up frustration all that guilt all that fear it's all fucking gone because yeah. he fucking won yeah he got out he survived he was the one and he was brave there's a lot he probably has thought to himself throughout this whole thing i'm not brave i'm not a brave person look what happened with my friend i am not and he was brave yeah and then i just wrote down as he's walking away how the fuck does he explain this one (laughs) exactly what i thought i mean how do you go back and say to their their the wives of these people, ah, they're all dead because a big candy monster with a face, yeah. body face. So, and... so do you know how you think I'm responsible for one of my friends' deaths? Well, you're gonna, you're gonna <laughs> fucking love me now. <laughs> Can't tell you where they are, but they're but, in there somewhere. But that's what I think. That's why I think that Luke was chosen for. Yeah, was you know the guilt, fear, lack of bravery, but I really think it's because Luke had nothing to go back to. Yeah. Luke had not Luke has nothing, nothing like to lose. He's got nothing to lose, nothing to live for. These people had like and I know in the book they explain how we believe that they have this great life. They actually don't. It's all to shit. It's all to fuck. Um and they go into that in more detail in the book. But yeah. in this, 
Luke's so authentic in his life than what they are in what society classes as a normal life. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, I'm not talking at me, Arson. <laughs> I did. I've just reminded myself, I did make notes on the um, special effects. So it is part practical and part CGI. Right. The practical is the hands and the face and the eyes. That makes sense because fuck me, them hands were creepy. Um, and it was built by Russell EFX for the sequences where the creature interacts with the actors. Um, obviously, they they removed all the bits with with the digital tools to get rid of it, the, the body yeah. and stuff like that. But um, the head itself is still in existence. I've seen a photo of it um, where the actual body of the actor was in. Um, and they said that it was the best way to get emotion from Luke at the time and Dom um, because it, it was coming up close with an with the actual monster themselves yeah. so they had something to act with so when you do see the shot where Dom's about to die and his hands are caressing like Gail's caressing his cheeks and then it turns out it's the monster doing the same thing <laughs> um, that's practical effects that is a practical build they made um, also that is so impressive peeping in the door as well you know that bit where he's just poking in the door after he's taking that woman's eyes that's, yep. that's uh, practical effects as yep. well that, so. that, that, that stays in my head rent free um, <laughs> I, I I generally thought I'm not going to lie I thought looking at it there's no fucking way we could do this practically like it's too clean it's too precise it's there's so many moving parts to it but yeah. holy shit that is fucking amazing that there's some practicality in it well, the other thing that got me was it was made on an incredibly small budget. Yeah. It was made, well, I say that by today's terms, I don't have this money in the bank. It's not incredibly small to me. It's fucking huge. But still, by the norms of movie making budgets, they only had a million dollars to make this movie. That's not a great deal in movie films. But guess, guessing that you are on prime location yeah. and that is your set you've taken all of that expense out of sets. Yeah, basically they could film. This is a lot to do with why they went to Romania because the labour laws in Romania are oh. a little bit more relaxed about how well, long they could shoot for and how long they could Ah, right, for. okay. So, they're, But they're not exploiting people no. like a certain director did. Well, not not to my knowledge. Anyway, they didn't say so okay. when, I, when I did my homework on this, but they were saying the labour laws were more relaxed, so they could film at night. They didn't probably need permits as much as they did, and the, some of the fire scenes probably didn't exactly. didn't mean that there was like forty two um, fire engines standing by ready to douse everything. You, do you know what I mean? I think yeah. it was a lot more relaxed in that sense. So they only had a million dollars to make this. It had a very limited run in the theatres, only in the UK for mm. Fright Fest and around that time. Really? And at that time, it made a million in box office in the time it had the short theatrical release. Then Netflix bought it straight from Fright Fest. Yes, that's and right. And they paid four point something, two, three million for it. I think it was something like that. Um, Honestly, well worth the money. And so in theory, the movie actually made that it, it paid for itself with a theatrical release and then made four point something million from Netflix's deal. Um, but now it's on Amazon. It's been sold out to Amazon. So I, I actually watched it on Amazon. So, you know, free of charge, obviously, but it's been sold to Amazon via Netflix. So God knows if, if Andy Serkis's company got anything from the sale of that as well, which I would think if he was clever enough, mm -hmm. he would have done. Oh, 
Uh, there would have been there would have been a deal somewhere. I did not use um normal services to watch this. <laughs> I will but say yeah. that I did find a couple of interesting things. There was a guy on YouTube who had calculated the uh, the approximate height and weight of Modor, which, no. which I thought was quite interesting. He was saying that the average male elk, which is when it's called, referred to as the bastard son of Loki, he said if we take it as a male for that reason, he said is around 900 pounds. Like the we're talking about the elks that we know yeah. in Norway and in Sweden, not like an American elk, which is like a, a reindeary deer. Yeah. Type, but proper elks, the which big, are kind of more like, like, yeah, like a moosey type thing. Like uh, the average one is around... <laughs> <laughs> it's around 900 pounds so he estimated it at 14 feet tall Fuck. and that it weighed 2340 pounds plus 150 pounds of human that was tied onto it and attached to it so it came out at 2490 pounds of weight so i mean that's over two and a half tons that's going to hurt if it sits on your mind. And this is why I, I couldn't understand. Well, after I watched that bit, I thought he bowed Luke down and he patted on his back. He that pushed was him down. Him. He pushed him down to the floor. Like, Have bitch, get down. My but, goodness. But yeah, also, did you know it has a kill count? Have we got a contender? We've Well, it's it's up there. It's not, we're not talking... Um, you're dying to know who I am, aren't you? We're not we're not in Graham slash the Invisible Man territory, but we are at a healthy 24. Oh. Now you don't think so because you think, oh, it's only three, because you think Hutch, Dom, and you think Phil. Yeah. No. The congregation, uh, all the worshippers. Um and uh they said Rob gets put into the kill count as well from the movie so there's 24 in total according to kill count itself so i was quite surprised at that because i wasn't expecting that many interesting i mean for one movie it still does not you know surpass my lord and savior claude rains who's sitting above my head that i realize no one can actually see um <laughs> but michael surpassed him didn't he if i'm right in saying Jason Michael Arden. Michael is our reigning kill count champion. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jason is runner-up with yeah. 10 behind Michael. Claude Rains is third. Yeah. But still I mean, up 24, there, he's still up there. 24. We're still way really good a lot. So I mean, from that point of view, I'm I'm fairly impressed for a very, very small cast um with a very small budget um with an amazing breathtaking artwork you know like cgi effects team mm -hmm. that haven't had enough um love because i've never even heard of them no so... and what they what they managed to accomplish in this movie like don't get us wrong i wasn't like shit me pants scared but it's an eerie scary feeling especially like you think you think this movie is one thing from the very and I think that opening scene is perfect because it throws you completely into what you're about to actually go into. Yeah. You don't feel like that's where you you would you'd never in a million years think that that is what's going to happen because the opening scene sets it up so differently. 
you think that's where the main plot point is, not what it actually is, where a big massive hoss comes after you. <laughs> and you look at big enough. Yeah, you, you know, it, on on the face of it, it's a lad's holiday movie, and you're just like, oh Christ, is this going to be like the in between us in the late thirties? Going, you just decided to go hiking. Yeah, I mean, I can see why people would think that it's British humor. It's four lads on holiday it's british movie making and it's just fucking fantastic we do and good movies i love our movies the one thing i do like about this though is that uh, i think his name was robert bruckner the, the director um he had hardly any experience when it came to full length movies going into this he was responsible for a short on one of the vhs anthologies yes he uh, was he, oh, and God, that I... raised a question with me when i saw that do you think this movie sorry i've got it you back do you think this movie would have could have worked as a found footage movie probably but i think for me it would have taken away an element of the human experience that you get with this yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, You'll never get the opening scene, that's for damn sure. If they were following from book, yeah. it could have quite easily fitted into found footage horror. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I've got this thing at the minute where I've been trying to get into Hell House LLC, and for yeah. the love of money, I can't do it. Um, but people that's... on the page keep telling me, persevere, watch it, watch it. And I did ask everybody on the page, what found footage movies that they, you know, they would recommend. And to be honest with you, I didn't realise how many I've actually seen. There's <laughs> quite I a lot. The comments, I was like, oh, geez, there's only a couple I've not heard of on here. But um, for me, I have a love-hate relationship with uh, found footage, not for any other reason than I'm not putting them in the same Blumhouse wheel of my hatred. Thank God. <laughs> found footage for me is it's just love and hate. You either get ones that are absolutely fantastic Mm. Or you get some that are terrible. And I don't include documentary style in there. I'm not no. including documentary style. So, you know, things like the, I think, is it The Taking of Deborah Logan? That's like a documentary style. Um, it's the one with, yes, yes. And the it's, one with uh, the old lady that, yeah. Um, I fucking adore that movie. The the actual nuance to it, the, the whole thing is dementia. Um, the dementia patient and the, the, the coping and the, the mind and oh it is so fucking brilliant because then you've got like on the flip side you've got films like as above so below now that had the makings of a fantastic found footage movie mm -hmm. however the lead woman just annoyed me so much i i, I it made me dislike the movie yeah um, but it had all the makings of a fantastic idea you know and, mm -hmm. and to this day i still believe it would have been better with a different female lead but that's personal opinion it's not necessarily you know so for, for, for me there's love-hate relationships with a lot of these movies and I don't think this would have worked because you don't feel what Luke's going through in a found footage there's there were certain scenes I could have gotten away with it being found footage and I was just looking at it going this it could have worked in this way it could have worked this way but when if you take that score out of because you do, you never get music, you're never going to get music in a found footage horror. Um, if you take that score out of this movie, you lose half of its soul. And it 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 it, it, it wouldn't have the same effect. That score is absolutely perfect. 
everything Dan said about it earlier, but also its volumes and level, yeah. like the level volumes to it. It's quiet in certain places. It's loud in others. And it doesn't just, it's not, it's not in a sense guiding you on how you should be feeling because you should be feeling uncomfortable throughout this whole fucking experience. And that's what the score does for you. But that also, the score goes in line with the fact that you don't realise you've been seeing Modar since the beginning. Mm -hmm. The beast has literally been stalking them since they wandered into that forest and they took that shortcut. Oh, I'm going to watch it again. If you watch it again, you count how many times from the beginning when they walk into the forest before they meet it, they you see it in the background, mm -hmm. regardless of whether it's just the creepy fingers around that tree trunk when I Luke saw, wakes it up. I saw that. Top. So I, or, I did see that one. Yeah. In the background, you see it sneak past trees or you'll just see a quick whoosh of something in the background, but it's all too high to be people. So you know it's big. Oh. So you've always got, because you're looking at the characters, your eye level's here. Mm -hmm. So they're making you focus on the characters, but then you'll see a quick psh in the background. And before you realise, when you go to see, it's gone. So bastards. It is very, very good. Uh, what do they call it? Um, in magic. There's a is word. it what the magic fucking eye pictures? Because I can't see shit when I look through them. There's I am Ethan Spawley and Mallrats. <laughs> There's a name for it. It's like a distraction method. Um, like, you know, look over here, and then they, the the magician does something over here, so you don't see it. Yeah, because you're looking over here. It's very, it's very much that. Um, oh. so it, you see it, but you don't realize you've seen yeah. it. And and I think that is a very clever. You don't actually physically see the whole thing until the reveal at the end, but you see parts and bits and pieces and your brain can't quite function it because the trees are constantly in the way. The trees. And it's just always in the in between the trees, watching or stalking or doing what am... it's doing. So I went to I went to a, a log cabin with forest surrounding it for my 40th birthday. And I'm going back there in September. <laughs> I won't be taking some of the nature trails that I did. Um, when I went the first time because holy shit the bed them trees the minute I saw them I was like that just looks like where I was <laughs> like oh no I don't want to be chased by a big massive horse <laughs> I'm saying that I did see a deer are you sure? well not now <laughs> <laughs> coming to get you Barbara oh don't that's one of mine and answering running jokes I get <laughs> Well, come and take a Barbara. It just reminds us of the Shaun of the Dead one. Yeah. <laughs> um, have oh, we got any more? Um, oh, I fancy a cornet, though, actually. My throat is on fire at the minute. Gotta be a mint one, though, because I'm a mint fan. So I'm a, I'm a mint girl as well. I think, to be honest with you, I think I've pretty much covered everything. I've got a lot of notes. But um, I think we covered it as we went along. I mean, I would, I don't give out, praises most of you will know that's regular listeners to this podcast danielle doesn't really give out praise that often to movies um that is a true statement <laughs> yeah. um the only one i thought sort of really got giddy with that i actually was incredibly passionate about was the blob remake the 88 remake and i will say that other than planet of the apes that we talked about last week on um king kong any anything with andy circus and monkeys um this has to be up there of the ones we've covered in respect of my pure enjoyment of it, because mm -hmm. this is definitely a four and a half out of five for me. 
which is high praise that Danielle That's has given out. Really high praise. I I love this movie for so many reasons. And the characters in it, the actual monster, the reasonings for why Luke was picked. Why Luke? Hey. I love yeah. I loved every single part of it. The casting of it was fantastic. Yeah. The music, the colours in the fucking sky. I'm not joking, people. If you go and watch this movie after you've listened to this or if you've seen it before, tell me that the fucking sky isn't absolutely stunning. Mm. I just, I absolutely loved it. And I got so excited after I watched it. I got actually excited leading up to it because I knew, I remembered watching it thinking, I remember there's something in this. I do remember there's some form of creature. I just couldn't remember what that creature was. And then when I fucking started to like go and have a look at some pictures, I was like, oh, yeah. This thing was that so one. cleverly made. It's unlike anything you've ever seen. Mm -mm. And you can't compare. You can compare it to an elk because that's the whole purpose. Yeah. But other than that, what I mean is like movie monsters wise, there is nothing I can single out to say. It reminds me of this or it yeah. reminds me of that. It's, it's such a so, unique monster, for, yeah. especially for our list of the ones that we've covered so far have been a lot of, apart from Take the Blob Out, because mm. that's a blob, <laughs> but the rest of them have been all human-based, human-based yeah. monsters and the monster that's living with, inside humans. We've not really covered anything mythology mythological oh, i can't speak why is english failing me tonight mythological thank you <laughs> you're welcome my goodness um i mean you wouldn't think it's like nearly quarter to 11 at night and <laughs> we've both been in to work all day <laughs> there is that yeah i mean that's why english could be uh not on my side tonight um but yeah it's just a really different monster and this is what we plan on doing in this in this year is to be doing the different to be doing the unusual not so much looking at the human element of a monster because that is really what we have focused on primarily that don't get us wrong we're still gonna we're still gonna do some we've just still got plenty to do still but, got yeah. fuck me if we got plenty but we want to look at the alfida zone pet thing with that yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah now even <laughs> i'm not i'm not i am not a geordie but <laughs> it's, i'm very very close <laughs> yeah. to some people who listen to us through spotify or itunes i probably do sound like a geordie and always says that i sound like cheryl cole during <laughs> um recordings i don't hear it uh, my, my, literally so the limit of my my Geordie accent is um Vic <laughs> uh, and Bob doing um their Sinead skit where they say to Sinead O'Connor, Hello Sinead, do you go for a poogie before you go on stage? And that's about it. And it goes a bit Sarah Millican there, but that's where I am with that one. And she's from Shields. <laughs> um, <laughs> um obviously I to me, it doesn't sound any different. Um, I, for anyone who doesn't know, I am from Sunderland, which is right next door to Newcastle. We are rivals in football, um, but not in real life. We actually are, you know, Geordies are absolutely lovely people, salt of the earth. Um, and our accents are very similar. They speak Geordie, we speak Mackham, even though I, if you heard someone who had a Mackham accent, you would say, 
Sammy, you don't have a Mac. <laughs> I can hear the difference. I know the difference between a Geordie and a Mac. And when you put two of them in a room, I can hear the difference. It's just certain words you guys say totally different. That's all. Yeah. Um, and you have yeah. a slightly different twang to the way you you speak. We don't say what, <laughs> as they do. Eh, what? <laughs> as they do. Like, honestly, oh, it's, literally, it's literally just down the road from us. Um, yeah. Geordie's and, Geordie's and Macam's there. <laughs> and I'm a bit, sir. So I wouldn't worry about where I come from. My, my accent's <laughs> all over the bloody place. <laughs> the, uh, the one episode I've only ever felt out of place because obviously I'm surrounded by northern folk all the time was when Gareth was on yeah. <laughs> I never felt like I was like oh I'm the odd one I'm the odd one out one here even when two, we had Mike on he's from my area <laughs> two West Londoners together you know yeah so yeah I mean luckily we haven't got my dad on because if we had my dad ever on I'd be all summing and nothing and speaking all like that and I'd be putting <gasps> out like my, what I sound like normally like you know I don't say like that often because I ain't like uh not Essex because I don't speak like that you know like with the Essex girls and I love the so Essex much. accent but everything has to be so drawn out because you know they have to think about things a bit more so they speak very slowly right yeah whereas my sub are all like running at every like everything's got to be really done because you can't you, I just ain't got bloody time for this you know what I mean so <laughs> I, I do intimidate before, before we come on live. I do intimidate, like, um, in what's the word I'm looking for? I don't intimidate you at all. Impersonate, <laughs> impersonate. <laughs> I do impersonate Dan sometimes with some of the things she says. That's all right. My terrible with Alfie name pet pronunciation. Well, oh, that was living in for me now. So <sighs> it's just funny. Is um, next week? Yes next week so we said we are heading through a time of difference and holy shit are we gonna be doing something different next week do you want to announce it you announce it go on Me? yeah well when you think of halloween you think of a certain vegetable mm-hmm. if that vegetable was nothing like the vegetable but you just used the name pumpkin and then it had a head you'd have the movie Pumpkinhead that doesn't have anything to do with vegetables. But we're doing Pumpkinhead. One of my favourite Misfits songs is called Pumpkinhead. <laughs> and it is based on the movie Pumpkinhead. So yes, next week we are heading down... I don't know. <laughs> just Stan Winston special is where we're heading down. There we so, go. Dan brought the normality there. Stan yeah, Winston. it's directed by Stan Winston. So this this is going to be something special for those of you who don't know. There's a lot to this this movie that we can hark back to a lot of the movies we've already covered because there's a lot of guys in this movie, special effects wise, um, uh, character wise that we've already covered in episodes. So I'm I've not to- seen it. I'm really yeah. excited for it. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one. It's a strange I know the reference one. to it. Um, I know that Pure Horror has a giant one in her living room that is just <laughs> crazy to me. I've stood um, in front of that thing, and I can assure you, it bloody stares you out. It's it's uh, yeah. I've told her if she's I would to hate, it, I want it. So I would hate to think how far you, how tall you stand to that fucking. Thing. Probably it's groin. I've got to be fair. Probably just it's lower, like 
stomach. The thing is like <laughs> hunched up. The way it's been molded, um, Pure Horror's pumpkin head replica, it's literally hunched down so it can actually be in the room. But if it was to stand full, it would be taller than a normal ceiling. This thing is huge. This is how much I am a social media whore is that I know that that belonged to A Fistful of Horror before Pure Horror had it because I saw his house tour and he had it and then she had it. Yeah, need to get off my fucking phone. And then if she sells it, I might have it. So we'll see. <laughs> yes, yeah, so and next week we're all getting excited for Pumpkinhead. I'm really excited about it. Um, I am wanting to push myself this year into different categories of horror, ones that I would probably never have jumped into. So I am super duper excited. She's so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> and I'm very tired and my voice is starting to break. Um... <laughs> on that note. So we are <laughs> on YouTube every Monday at seven o'clock for Monster Monday. Our audio goes up anywhere you find your podcast from on a Tuesday. You can find all our links to our social. That's Nerdy Up North, Bleeding Marvelous, and Monsters Up North. As Dan is kindly pointing out, they are down below. So I think, is that everything? Have we covered? Yes. So the only last thing to say is goodbye, Dan. Bye, Dan. Stay spooky, everyone. Bye and wave. <laughs>